You're listening to the Unheld in News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week, we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths, Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. In today's podcast for... Pharisee Watch and Unheralded News. We've got another dynamite program here. I think uh, you'll find it very insightful because, as most people know, we don't always get the straight scoop from our media. They've hidden it very well. And when it comes to Israel in particular, we don't always get the truth. Israel has done a great job of promoting itself and with all its PR and so forth. And this particular piece that Chuck wrote is about the recent killing on an Israeli public bus. Leslie, would you read this for us, please? Sure. Why Arabs from Egypt attacked IDF soldiers riding on an Israeli public bus. How Israeli propagandists transformed dead soldiers into civilians. On August 18th, high noon, Arabs operating from Egyptian territory attacked, killed, and wounded an unknown number of Israeli soldiers on a bus that the world was made to believe carried only civilians. The highway from the Red Seaport city of Elat, Israel, north of Beersheba, and on to Tel Aviv, goes through some of the most desolate and deserted landscape this bus rider has ever seen. Deserted except for camps of Arab Bedouins who live in the wadis. I rode this same Egged bus on this very route near the end of March 2002 on my way to Gaza. Egged is owned by the State of Israel and is dirt cheap to ride. About a third of the passengers on my bus were Israeli soldiers, male and female. All were dressed in field gear. Many carried slung carbines with banana clip magazines in their belts. At times on this long route, there were so many soldiers on board that some had to stand in the aisles. Before my bus left Elot Station, I had the answer to one of the questions that had brought me to Gaza. Why do Palestinian human bombs so often pick, quote, public buses, unquote, as targets? Not one news report I had ever read told the simple truth. Every Israeli bus is a military transport. Therefore, for any Palestinian who considers himself to be at war with the IDF, 
Every Israeli bus is a legitimate military target. I was to suffer a somewhat amusing minor injury from an Israeli militarism on that Egged bus. A female IDF soldier getting off the bus in Tel Aviv bent 90 degrees at the hip to pick up her travel bag, and in so doing, she clumsily swung her downward-slung carbine barrel up behind her, hitting me in the face with her sight blade as I was stooping in the crowd to look for my own bag. She inflicted a welt on my forehead, and she knew it, but she made no apology and was totally indifferent to me once she saw I was still alive and standing. I consider my minor injury a symbolic scar in the war for Palestinian rights, and I wish I could have kept the Israeli-inflicted wound long enough to show it off back home. After my visit to Gaza, I investigated some 55 bus bombings and other attacks on military installations where chances of the attacker's survival were very slim. My report, in the form of a 2002-2003 series, is again available on our website. It details how the official Zionist propagandists go about changing history to support its claims of, quote, terrorism, unquote, every time an Israeli is killed or wounded, whether that person is a member of the military or not. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs language used in the recent August 18, 2011 attack, reporting that the attack, quote, left seven Israelis dead, unquote, is used only when some of the dead were soldiers. When soldiers are not killed, the release invariably gives heart-rending details of those, quote, civilians, unquote, killed. When some of the dead are soldiers, no details are given, implying all are civilians, but not actually saying so. By decoding the language used, readers can know when Israeli soldiers are killed without that fact being admitted by the Israel government. Whereas every Palestinian victim is portrayed by Israel as a, quote, terrorist, unquote, my own studies of bus targeting almost a decade ago revealed that casualties on most of the 55 bus attacks included Israeli military, implying that these attacks were aimed at concentrations of active-duty military and therefore simple acts of war. The IDF uses a consistent pattern in press releases to create an illusion. For example, first it reported, quote, seven Israelis, unquote, died in the August 18th attack. This implied that those killed and wounded were all civilians, since no military was mentioned. These early releases are usually the ones that get carried in the American media. Later reports may acknowledge IDF deaths, but usually cover up the number of wounded. This slightly more truthful report comes out only after the world press has had plenty of time to carry the earlier varnished release. Israel cannot avoid making corrections because it must give proper recognition to killed IDF members Israeli soldiers have families too, and the propaganda machine has to make them feel respected. 
On August 18th, the U.S. and most world news agencies picked up the news release that read, JTA, Global News Service for the Jewish People, announced on August 18, 2011, seven Israelis reported dead in Palestinian terror attacks, Jerusalem, JTA. Palestinian gunmen attacked an Israeli bus traveling near Elat, the first in a series of attacks that reportedly have left seven Israelis dead. The Palestinian infiltrators from Gaza struck the Egged bus just after noon Thursday, according to the Israel Defense Forces. Israeli media are reporting that there are at least seven Israeli fatalities in the attacks and that Israeli soldiers have killed three of the terrorists. The IDF has not confirmed the fatalities. Note there is no mention of any IDF military deaths or wounded when in fact two of the dead were soldiers. An unknown number of the wounded were also IDF, as was revealed in a later story about Prime Minister Netanyahu visiting the, quote, wounded, unquote, military members. But no number of wounded military was released. Some observers estimate it to be as many as 17. The apparent truth is that a handful of Arabs of unidentified residents successfully attacked the bus with all its military support from Egyptian-controlled Sinai. It happens more than 175 miles south of the Gaza Strip. It is too bad civilians were killed. I took that risk unknowingly when I rode this same bus. Israel's response was to blame the event on Hamas without evidence and launch reprisals in Gaza. By any rule of war, if war has any rules, Israeli military personnel killed in Arab commando raids, whether by Hamas or by some other guerrilla group, are war casualties. Israel is an occupier, and an occupation is an act of war. Israel's very existence requires a constant stream of organized propaganda and it cannot tell the truth about the occupation even if some of its leaders might like to come clean. While this author is neither Arab nor Muslim, I was inclined to champion the Palestine people even before I went there to see conditions for myself. One hour on the Egged bus left no doubts about what occupation means. Some 200 million plus of us Americans call ourselves, quote, Christian, unquote, but when it comes to Israel and Palestine, far too many do not act like Jesus. Israelis call him irrelevant or deny Jesus ever lived. Palestinian Muslims recognize Jesus Many believe his word comes from God and have told me they follow Jesus in a way of their own. Anyone who calls himself by Christ's name should support the freedom of any suppressed people, especially Palestinians, quote, Christians, unquote, who support Israel should seriously examine if they are hearing Jesus' words or the words of clever men.
All right, thank you very much, Leslie. That was a very good piece, Chuck. The reprisals came almost instantaneously from Israel. And I did, I think in one of the pieces I saw, I think it was from Al Jazeera, did mention that there were soldiers on there. So not the whole, but like you say, in the U.S., it's pretty well hidden. And this is something very interesting, just a piece here out of uh, Al Jazeera about the reprisals. And there have been 15 Palestinians killed and 55 injured, including 12 women and 15 children, three elderly and one ambulance worker in their reprisal attacks. And they have here oh, a number of people, probably a dozen different uh, people in Gaza responding. And just let me read a couple of these, actually. This one, Sahar Salem, 24-year-old laborer. He says, if an Israeli is killed on the moon, Israel would attack Gaza for revenge. By continuous terror attacks on neighbors, Israel thinks it can bring peace to its people, but in fact it only brings more hatred toward them. As for the homemade rockets fired on Israel, that is meaningless because they hit the poor, marginalized areas of Israel that the government of Israel doesn't take care of. I hate that the poor and marginalized everywhere are always the less fortunate and the most likely to suffer, unquote. Wow, that's quite a, quite a statement from a, a laborer. Next one is from uh, unemployed laborer, Hisham Jabbar Abdullahi. I see how the lack of international reaction could be taken as an encouragement for Israel to go on. However, one gets tired of sending appeals to the world. The world is busy with Syria and Libya, and in Gaza we only have God to watch over us. And then this one was from uh, Moyad Abu Imran, a 34-year-old engineer. I think this time Israel is not aiming to kill for the sake of killing, but for more. Two main reasons. First, to thwart the Palestinians' application for statehood on September, and secondly, for Netanyahu to export his internal economic crisis and failure in dealing with the Tel Aviv protests. Now protesters are home, and Netanyahu's goal has been achieved to split the protesters by making them do their military call-up. Very interesting. Chuck, do you have any other comments you'd like to make on your piece? No, except that we don't hear much about these bus bombings anymore. There were 55 of them at the time I wrote the original article, and there have only been a few since then. And the reason for this is that Israel has just incredibly beefed up their security and makes it almost impossible for anybody who they have not examined head to foot to even get on one of these buses anymore. At the time I was there, you pretty much just walked on these buses and... For someone who wanted to get even with an Israeli, it was really a, an easy place to go. The only thing is that the person who got on one of these buses with the idea of killing some Israeli soldiers knew that he would never get off alive. And uh, it was very thought-provoking to actually ride these buses and think about that. And soldiers are still riding these buses. It's just that... Uh, they've also adopted a, a shoot-first policy so that if they see anybody that they even remotely suspect might be carrying a, a weapon or a bomb, usually it had to be bombs because that was the only thing that these 
Palestinians could possibly carry that they get close to an Israeli. But they've adopted this policy of just gunning people down, if in doubt, kill them. And a lot of Palestinians have been shot, and some of them had bombs and a lot of them didn't. But essentially, the policy of Israel is just go ahead and kill them. The idea that Israel lies routinely as a matter of propaganda is the key point in this story, and it's one that we must never forget. There is absolutely, there there are two sides to every story is said, but in the Israeli-Palestinian story, it's really hard to find the other side, the Israeli side. If you're at all fair-minded, it's sort of a one-sided story. And uh, so faced with that, from Netanyahu on down to the lowest private in the IDF who was just recruited, everybody has to spout the Israeli line. They, they, they really need, they, they have to do that because if to tell the truth is to lose. Essentially, that's really the way the Israeli situation is. I think there's one thing here that we really need to make clear. Maybe we would read it later, but this article from Bloomberg August 23rd, the last paragraph says, the infiltration probably by a group known as the Army of Islam or Islamic Fatah, identity not clear, which has been defying Hamas, occurred after Israel air attacks on August 17th, one day before the Palestinian reprisal. I think that's very important. That Nobody said that the Palestinian shooting of the bu- of the bus was in retaliation. Right. Yes, that's a very significant statement. Can mm-hmm. I also add sure. something concerning the homework that Chuck did years ago uh, concerning the bus bombings? We did check the Israeli government uh, records, and that's how we knew about the killing of the Israeli soldiers in these news articles. We checked that. Well, and the, the reason they are on these public buses because it's basically their transport. Most of them live at home, so they're coming and going to their military bases, so they use public transport. Both, both of what you, both of your statements are absolutely true, and I, I do remember you helping me do that, Leslie, and we did. Mm-hmm. We checked every one of these 55 bombings, and we found out that the official Israeli propaganda machine, which is called the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and its purpose is propaganda, they would make releases the next day in which they would actually list the names and serial numbers and ranks of the uh, of the people who were killed on buses the previous day. But by that time, it never did make the press. It was always done after the fact. Yeah, that, that's true, always Leslie. That's exactly how we documented how many Israelis were killed in these buses is by reading the accounts given by their own government in order to basically notify next of kin and the, and the world in general that a soldier or two or five or ten had been killed. And I believe there was one bus, as I remember, where there was as many as 15 or so soldiers who were killed and just hundred dozens wounded. And, and some of these buses were just almost entirely military transports with very, very few passengers on them. Another point that we could make in saying that Israel lies and so forth We also, in America, suffer from a similar problem. I can think of the telling by George Bush, who got it from underlings, that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and it's been verified there weren't. 
I mean, they manufactured this. So we're just as culpable as Israelis. Pretty good point. Well, the U.S. is the main one that needs to be propagandized so that we can continue our aid to Israel. Right. Travis's point a moment ago was also very good when he pointed out that this organization that was responsible for the recent bus bombing, and that was done from outside of the bus, of course. They weren't. They didn't apparently have any passengers on the bus. But that that was done by an organization that was thought to be unrelated to Hamas, and it was done, as, my, as the story said, 175 miles away from Gaza, long ways from Hamas. Right, uh, and, 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 and one day after the attack on Palestine by Israel. So they were able to cover it up. Slightly. I mean, there are going to be voices out there that have leaked this out, and that's much to the credit of Bloomberg. That's pretty much dynamite. <laughs> exactly. To, yeah. To, uh, really expose that. Maybe uh, that was a mistake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we quote Bloomberg quite often because, although of course they have access to grind too, and they have big buddies in the New York financial system. Still, uh, they are a news agency that's trying to compete, and they do do a pretty good job of getting the raw news out there. The only problem is very, very few people see Bloomberg News and read it read it in right. detail. Yeah. So yeah. we really need to help out a little bit to spread that. And not to give them too Change much Change the subject a little bit. Here's, a, here's an interesting item from uh, Bloomberg News, August 18th. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez ordered his government to repatriate $11 billion in gold held in banks abroad to safeguard the country from the economic crisis and said he'll nationalize the local gold industry. J.P. Morgan, Chase, Bank of England, Barclays had some of their gold there. So, And, yes, that shows that people are getting... Now, everybody can say, well, that's Hugo Chavez. He's a socialist and what have you. But he may be a socialist, but he's not stupid because... <laughs> He doesn't want to lose his gold. <laughs> uh, there's another story where Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin, who's a former president of Russia, and is thought that he will run again and end up being reelected as the next president, he made a statement in Financial Times of London uh, who quoted him as saying that the United States is a parasite. And that's the term he used <laughs> on, account, on account of issuing trillions of unbacked dollars. That's not a direct quote. That was the essence of why he said we were a parasite on the rest of the world, we're flooding the rest of the world with our money. And then the Financial Times went on to quote Putin as saying, Russia, the world's largest, pardon me, this is, uh, this is a quote from Financial Times, Russia, the world's lar- largest energy producer, has boosted its holdings of U.S. debt by more than 1,600% since September 2006, according to U.S. Treasury Department data. Russia used surging commodity prices to build the world's third largest reserve pile, boosted in part by return on treasuries. So the title of this story was, Putin calls U.S. parasite as Russia gorges on U.S. debt. So the uh, dilemma of the world now, and of course people like Mr. Chavez is saying, if the U.S. is going to print all this money, we want to keep our gold where we can get our hands on it. A wise right. fellow, if he gets it. The trick <laughs> Absolutely. will be to get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, everybody, for your input tonight. I think it was a very good program. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. 
and please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.